Thank you for joining for this episode of the Techspective podcast. Uh, my guest uh, this this episode is Ben Carr, the uh, Chief Information Security Officer for Qualys. So, Ben, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Look forward to talk with you, Tony. Um, first of all, uh, you know, so let's talk a little bit about um, kind of you know your your role there and your background. So, how long have you been at Qualys? Yeah, so it's a, I'm a little new to Qualys. I've been around about six months at this point. So most recently uh, I came, I was the CISO for a company called Aristocrat, um, which is in the electronic gaming space uh, based out of Vegas and uh, was there for about two years, kind of starting up a program and kicking it off there, kind of instantiating a, a security program for Aristocrat as their first CISO. All right. Um, so let let you know, so you, you, you were there as their first CISO. You're now at Qualys as a CISO. Um, you know, I've I had previously worked, uh, you know, in the cybersecurity trenches before, you know, kind of shifting to the dark side and and and, <laughs> and just doing content and content marketing. Trenches um, is a good way to put it, especially lately. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and you know, and so I know from from you know, being on that side and from, and from, you know, my writing of, about the industry, you know, over the last, you know, 10, 20 years, um, that, you know, for a long time, there were certain roles, uh, you know, CSO and CISO, uh, uh, chief among them that on the one hand, it has the, it has the C, you know, so technically it is part of the C-suite and, yeah. and, and there is some, some respect and credibility to, that comes with that. However, it also was kind of traditionally treated as sort of the uh, redheaded stepchild of the C-suite, and 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 often was looked at as the, you know, primarily the role was to be the scapegoat when something went wrong. Um, <laughs> so, you know, because because a lot of companies would have a CISO, um, and, but AKA not really. Guy? Right. Well, but not really give them the budget or the latitude to do the things necessary, um, but then blame them when it failed. Yeah. And um, and I and I've seen, you know, the, the, that is shifting. And I wanted to get your insight on that. Like, how do you how do you feel? You know, first of all, do you agree with my premise about where where CISOs were five years ago? And second of all, um, you know, how do you see that changing? Yeah, no, that's a that's a great question. Um you know, for me, I, I've got a kind of an interesting background where, you know, early in my career, I, I ran kind of a, in, in the IT side of the house. I got into security because it really interested me and I thought it was an area where I could contribute and add value and kind of make a difference. And, you know, that that has continued to evolve. And I, I spent some time working on the vendor side and I've spent time working in both, you know, kind of, I guess, more like a manufacturing um, at Nokia running corporate IT security globally for Nokia. And then in financial, um, really tech, but but people consider financial working uh, at Visa running a very large portion of, of their program. And so, you know, I, I think it depends in some cases what industry you're in and the seriousness at which it's taken. And you can see that certainly from the budgets and staffing size at very similarly sized companies can vary widely depending upon how seriously they take it. You know, a financial service is going to have much more investment and a much larger team than, say, somebody, you know, in a manufacturing uh, environment, typically, you know, just speaking generically. When you think about the CISO role, it, it's really interesting because, you know, for the most part, I think CISOs have been kind of relegated 
as coming out of tech. And traditionally, that finds you being placed. I, you know, I, I think I don't know what the exact numbers are, but I, I'd wager to say it's 70, 80 percent of people, you know, traditionally were were under the CIO. And as kind of under the CIO, because I, I don't think a lot of people knew how to deal with the security guy, um, it was seen they came from tech ranks, so they must be part of technology. And I, I think your premise is right in that that's changing. And I think that change is coming from both sides, from both you know people in that role realizing that there's a lot more impact and a lot more interaction that they need to have with the organization as a whole. And the company and the board realizing that geez, this role is a lot more strategic and we really need a business leader in this role to run it as a piece of the business and have a seat at the table. And I think that's not fully there yet, but it, it's coming. I, I think you've seen some you know, some people being elevated into those roles and you're seeing more and more CISOs report to the CEO. But for me, that that's ultimately where that role has to be placed unless it's a super or large organization and may, maybe it sits under like a chief risk officer. But it, it, it's really it's really kind of a transformation and an evolution of what the role needs to be. And it, it sounds like, you know, that, that 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 agrees with your premise. Yeah, it does. Um, and, you know, and I feel like, you know, again, previously, I feel like it was treated um, a, a little bit you know, in, in a similar way to uh, how some organizations treat compliance. I mean, it was it was a it was a box to check, you know, and yeah, so something you had to do. You, and a lot yeah, of people so, did it because they had to do it for compliance reasons, right? They had PCI, right. HIPAA, GLBA, so they they needed somebody who could run that piece of the the, the IT org, right? But they, but they would create the role and check the box, but not but not give you what you needed to actually do the job. Yeah, no empowerment, right? And that that's been a challenge because, you know, I when I start off the role as a CISO, I like to have a conversation with the exec staff and the board and ask you know, what's the risk tolerance? Like, let, let me really understand how we see risk and, and how we see risk related to, you know, I, I, IT for one, but the rest of the business. And I think, you know, even from a business perspective, it started to morph outside of that. It's it's interactions with legal, it's interactions with HR. It's, um, you know, understanding how, if you're a software company, how the dev stack's being run, and that may not necessarily be inside of IT, that might be under the CTO. And so, how you interact and what your concerns are are really related more towards a risk profile and understanding then how to apply the technology side of your background and experience to being able to be an effective business partner to the rest of the business to 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 weigh that and you know that that's even more important now i mean with with everything that's happened you know in the last year um I think people are looking, well, you know, how do we handle budgets? How do we, you know, we've got reduced revenue, we've had impacts to the business, what are the right trade-offs? And it's not as simple as we're going to cut 20% of your budget, right? Because, you know, a budget cut doesn't necessarily mean that the risk goes down and anymore um, or the risk goes up. It just means that you're, you're, you're applying a financial control without respect for what the change in that dynamic might be from, from threats and from you know complications from the changes in the environment, and so I think people in the CISO role or you know senior security leadership are really being asked to participate in that discussion to to try to help people understand how do we effectively balance this right, and that that's those are the same questions again. Your your legal officers being asked, your you know chief of human resources, um, your CTOs being asked, and to answer those questions without the speeds, feeds, bits, bytes, and the powerpoints of numbers. 
numbers and really be able to get down to a risk-based decision, that really, I think, elevates the, the leadership. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm aware of a, at least a few situations where um, where the CISO actually reports to the board or, or, or maybe dual, dual reports yeah. to the CEO and the board. Um, and, and, and in those situations, you know, I think, you know, obviously the, the, the dynamics and politics of, of companies, you know, vary from organization to organization, but I think in, in some situations, you know, if, if the CISO is reporting up to the CEO, you know, maybe the board doesn't feel like they're getting an unfiltered view of, of what that risk is. And so, you know, they want they want the CISO to go to have a direct pathway to the board to be able to share what the risk is. Yeah, you know, I look, I think you're right. Anybody who's been at this level knows that there's a lot of politics involved, right? Um, so, so there's certainly that dynamic. But I think ultimately, like, I think boards need to become more aware. And that's that's part of, I think, traditionally what's been part of the problem is, People haven't known how to deal with it, but I, I think, you know, again, I go back to my previous point, like we haven't done a good service to ourselves about talking and communicating in the way that boards and, and the executive staff uh, can relate. And so I think the more the more we can push for that, and I think when somebody's looking at a role, you know, it's it's really hard, especially if it's your first CISO role, to sit there in that in that interview and say, well, wait, this this role reports to the CIO. Is that the right reporting structure? Right. But ultimately, like I think we have to do a better job of saying, you know, look, I'm really interested in the role, but I, I don't think you're giving it the weight or importance that it needs. And in order for me to be effective in this role, I need the ability to, to be able to have not just the responsibility, but the authority to make impactful decisions here, right? And right. I, I need to be able to inter interact with you in a way, board, and in a way, you know, CEO, that's going to be able to give you an unfiltered understanding, you know, balanced, like you need the truth, like it can't be the sky is falling, but you need a, an unfiltered viewpoint for, for you to help me make decisions that are relevant and the right ones for the company. Right. You know, that, that actually, you, you, you made me think of a, a really good point um, related to that, which is, you know, like you mentioned earlier, that a lot of times the 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 CISO, you know, comes from tech, um, yeah. and and you know, it's it's almost sort of assumed that they have that that background, and you know, traditionally security in general, not 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 necessarily executive uh, level security, but security in general does have a, a certain amount of hubris to it you know like we're <laughs> we're, we're like this is this is how you be secure and 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 often we don't really allow for dissent yeah it's um, binary right <laughs> right it, it, it's very black and binary. white like this is yeah it's it's binary it's black and white it's like this is this is how you be secure and you must do this and um so so uh, the point that i thought of is that yes businesses you know b executive leadership has evolved and matured, I think, to understand the importance of the role and the value that the CISO brings more. But um, I think there's also been an evolution from the other side, which is the CISOs and the people who fill those roles also have matured to understand that security can't be approached as this draconian binary equation, that you have to come to the table with an understanding of business objectives and, and 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 what the business is trying to accomplish and that ultimately as as you mentioned earlier your role is to reveal the risk and 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 discuss it from that perspective and not so much say you can't do this but it's more 
okay, if you do, I'm, I'm letting you know, this is the risk of you doing that. Now, if you, if you want to make that business decision, that's on you. <laughs> yeah. But, and that's, you know, look, I, I think fundamentally, again, like you said, it's people have come out of a technology-based space, right? And I, I think that we haven't done a good job of educating and creating you know, opportunities for people to understand as they gain that leadership perspective that there's a differentiation in what the role is. And it's not, you know, it's, not an, it's an application of best practice, but it's an application of best risk, right? And ultimately, at the end of the day, when somebody sits in that seat, like it, it can't be about, well, we're just not going to do that because it's insecure. Well, there's a trade-off there, right? There's a trade-off when when someone says, "Hey, we're going to office uh, open a new office and it's going to be in Singapore." Well, what are the trade-offs? Like what's the business opportunity? And so, you know, yeah, there's risk to opening that office. If if we open that office and it's not successful, that's a large expense to the company, right? If we if we do something from a cyber perspective and it's risky and that risk gets realized, then it can be really expensive to the company, right? But the the point and the the job of the the CEO, the board, and to a large extent, the other executives that your peers with now in this role, their job is to determine what the right risk tolerance is for the company, right? And what they what they recommend that they undertake. And at the end of the day, the board makes those decisions and they're responsible to the shareholders if, you, if you're public. And I think that's that's where the disconnect has come. It's just we haven't we haven't done a good job, I think, either as an industry, um, as a trade organization, you know, the, the security guy. Guys, um, we go to Black Hat and we talk tech, <laughs> but where's where's the the executive, you know, up leveling to understand how those conversations need to happen? And so it's it started like some people have have evolved to those roles and and they they've exceeded them, but uh, there's a lot of people who are still coming out of those tech roles and we're not doing a good job at training the next the next cadre. Right. All right. Well, like I said, I think I think things are at least uh, progressing in the right direction. Um, I want to, I want to shift gears. some. I mean, you and I talked about this a little bit before, before we started, uh, the, the, the podcast, but you know, it's, it's December and every year as an industry, we, we, you know, we have this series of looking back on, uh, the previous year's predictions to see what came true and what didn't. And then also making, you know, uh, prognostications about the year to come. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it to, to, I think, I think a lot of people, uh, find it to be, uh, trite and, <laughs> and and like oh god here comes all the all the predictions uh, again um and and you know year after year i think it, you know to an extent that, that that actually is somewhat true because you could go back over the predictions of the last you know decade and find that you know people keep predicting the same things um but <laughs> you know the, the the point i made to you before the before the podcast is uh, i think 2020 kind of breaks the mold like you know nobody predicted you know what what has happened and I think yeah. it fundamentally changes the conversation about what 2021 will look like. So I'm, I'm curious what your thoughts are on kind of like what's the security outlook for 2021, given where we are with the COVID-19 pandemic. Yeah, no, it's it's really interesting when you sit back and think about it. And as you said, I don't think anybody would have predicted what was going on. I mean, some things were, were predictable. We were going to have an election um, outcome somewhat unknown. Um you know, we were we nobody knew that we were going to have this issue with COVID and then this you know transition to you know almost wholeheartedly remote workforce for for many of us, um, and, and I think people are now looking like you know what are the impacts of that and how do we how do we recover and you know a little bit of it goes back to the the previous topic we were talking about is you know the role of the CISO and I think it's 
it's really interesting that I think a lot of people I've talked to, a lot of peers that I've talked to in, in the role had said that, you know, look, they were leaned upon more heavily than they had been in the past because this whole transition to remote work brought on a lot of additional risk um, potential. And, you know, for some people it was realized. And I think out of that, they saw an opportunity to get a better seat at the table and to participate more in those conversations. And I think, you know, even to that point, they were probably brought into some of the discussions that maybe they wouldn't have brought, been brought into similar discussions in, in a different time period. And so, you know, when I think about 21, like for me, I think the next, you know, six to 12 months are kind of still a little bit up in the air. But I think, you know, the long term impact of this, I'm just seeing a lot of a lot of this becoming the norm. Um, and what I mean by this is the whole remote work concept. You know, I, I think if you look at companies that didn't get on the Internet and online sales bandwagon, you know, I, I think Sears, JCPenney, you know, that kind of stuff. Like they're they're kind of the dinosaurs of the past uh -huh. for, from a, from a commerce perspective. And when I think forward, I think companies that don't realize that this new way of working has worked fairly well. I mean, nobody likes working from home all the time. I mean, I think people miss the social interaction. But as a whole, I think you know, it, it people have realized that you know, there's there's better productivity. Um, people are able to go on working. They're they're less stressed with commutes. I mean, there's other stresses that have replaced it, but. I think moving forward, we're going to see this become this this more remote work environment become much more of the norm than the than the oddity. And I think businesses again are seeing the the results of that and potentially reduced costs of you know real estate and, and office space and you know power and, and so I, I think that transition people who are able to accept that and move forward quickly, um, they will accelerate a lot further out of this a lot faster out of this than than the rest of people who don't. And, and as CISOs, there's a big opportunity there, right? There's a large opportunity to look for how we're transacting business in a secure way and enabling the business to, again, show that seat at the table, become a partner. Um, you know, that, that, that I think is the, the major shift that we're going to see out of this. The, 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 the smaller shifts in that is, I think, you know, certainly, you know, in the past several years, we've heard a lot about zero trust. Uh, we've heard of people trying to look for market opportunities using that that tagline that zero trust trust tagline i think for me that's that's more of a methodology of work that we're going to have to figure out how to better utilize and and um, better implement um, but that's utilizing a lot of existing technologies we have i think you know as people are out in in their houses in these remote environments potentially not even work from their house you know i mean you you could be a lot more flexible you could work from tahoe if you wanted to for 2 weeks while the while the kids ski on vacation um, you know, those environments, the, the risk that's there, it's just a different type of risk. And I think we have to figure out how to handle that. I think it's going to a large transition to more endpoint technologies. I think the, the budget question that we, we, you know, we talked a little bit about that with the, the first topic is, you know, you, it's not CISO role that C level role isn't just about budgets, but that's an important part of it is how do you, how do you fit in when the, the rest of the organization is having a contraction. How do you figure, how do you determine how to be more cost sensitive and be a better partner to the business to get a larger seat at that table? I think that's that's looking at the technologies we have and figuring out where we can consolidate. I think there's been a lot of spread and I think there's an opportunity for, for us to look at technologies that allow us to reduce the footprint but gain more information, more telemetry, more data at the endpoint to really offer a lot of value. And, you know, I think there's a double down on 
uh, on hygiene. I think really looking at making sure that as as these endpoints and devices are more transient, and you know those walls of the, uh, you know the zones, the the border kind of goes away. You know we really have to make sure that those devices are protected kind of all the time, and, and hygiene is really the best way to do that. And I think we've struggled as an industry in cyber. We, we kind of chase that shiny ball. Um, you know, some, somebody waves something in front of us and it's the next new thing. And let's go after that. That's going to solve all of our problems. Tends to be really time intensive and really expensive <laughs> in my uh, experience when yeah. really we can double down on some of the stuff that we haven't done a great job on asset management, like knowing where everything is, right? How many people deployed devices in this uh, with the, all the things that went on in 20 and, and didn't really, you know, adhere to good asset management. So they don't know what they have out there. Um, and then, you know, on top of that asset management, you know, patching vulnerabilities, making sure that, you know, your configurations are tight, um, making sure that you don't have people, you know, abusing systems or, or using stuff that they shouldn't. I, I think that that hygiene thing is really where there's a big payoff. And I think people are going to be looking to, to maximize the investments they've already made, um, as opposed to really trying to go out and spend and do big project work. I mean, I think 21 might be a bit of a recovery year for a lot of people. Yeah, one of the things that, you know, you know, we've we've been saying as an industry for at least five, maybe ten years, uh, talking about uh, the perimeter is dying, the perimeter is dead. I mean, that's been a tagline for companies <laughs> forever, um, and and yet a lot of security still, on some level, operated operates, you know, fundamentally on this sort of like castle and moat, inside and outside type of a, a philosophy. Um, and and that I think is one of the biggest shifts that that COVID brought. I mean, the dramatic like all of a sudden the next day everyone's working from home, and whatever whatever shell of a concept you still had of there being a perimeter of you know where we're sitting here in this office building, that's all gone now. And, yeah. You know, it's and, totally I, and I've talked to other other companies and and, and executives about you know now all of a sudden the public internet is your land. <laughs> and yeah. and 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 Joe working from his you know personal computer at his kitchen counter that's your endpoint that's your edge and and that does and and one of the things that that it that occurs to me is there are technologies that were already that were already in existence that the companies were already doing on some level but they hadn't really bought in 100% like you already you know you mentioned zero zero trust but um you know, behavioral analytics, yeah. uh, you know, di different things like that, that all of a sudden become the primary focus. Like in, in this in this environment, all of a sudden, those things are the most important. Well, I mean, look, I, mean, I think we all know of instances personally where we know like either either when it's whether it's in our environment, unfortunately, and, and hopefully it's not. Um, I, I can speak to that. I, I you know, the last several uh, companies, I, I fixed some of these implementations and issues where, you know, you walk in and like two factors not implemented for every application, right? And I think we probably we probably all know companies that we've run across where they don't have any multi-factor authentication, right? It, still today, um, and you know, then you go to the you go to that company's website and they don't have a CISO listed in the executive staff, and you you instantly know why you know that that that's the place. There's not a leader, right? Um, mm -hmm. That's not running it and taking care of those issues. But yeah, I think. I think that there's a lot of technologies that have existed out there, and you 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 often heard the thing, well, you know, we're only going to do that inside the office, right? Um, that's only going to sit inside the data center, and it's 
just not the case anymore. I mean, people can't rely on that. And I, I would agree with you wholeheartedly that that's, that's really the biggest change is that that castle and moat, as you described it, somebody blew up the castle, right? And you, you see a lot of large companies. I mean, REI is a great example where they just, they built a brand new office building and they're not moving in now. And so, you know, they've got to think of a different way to, to implement a lot of different processes. And one of them is, you know, what they do around security and how they handle that with you know relation to to ip to employees um yeah it, it's a pretty pretty impactful change that i think we've seen right and i think you know you, you mentioned uh you know kind of asset management i mean the, the 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 idea of um you know visibility of your network in this you know we, we've gone beyond multi-cloud and hybrid you know when you start including the the, the home networks of all of your employees yeah <laughs> you know, the ability to have uh you know for it to have visibility and an accurate inventory of those assets is 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 more challenging but also more crucial and i think that's you know uh, we, we keep hitting on points we've already talked about but you 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 mentioned you know you said that you can't just you can't just be the yes or the no right and i think you want one of the areas that we've done a pretty bad job is is, is recognize that the, the our consumers, our users, are actually our customers, and you know the the end all and be all isn't the technology at the end of the stack; it's the person at the end of the stack. And if the way which we interact with our customer base and our users is off putting or challenging or not, you know, isn't taking into consideration the the psychology of it, will never be successful. Um, I, I can think most recently I implemented a security awareness program and it was really based around comedy um, and, some, you know, some live action stuff. And it wasn't the annual, you know, go through this, you know, 40 slide presentation and click on, you know, 50 radio buttons at the end of it. Um, it was much more effective. I mean, I actually had, had people wanting to take more training and, you know, wanting to consume it. And my, my I guess, epiphany out of that was, you know, geez, that's that's one more you know, nail in the coffin of, you know, we got to get into the psychology of how to get people to consume what we're trying to push, right? It can't just be do this because policy says so. We have to think about why it's not being adopted or or accepted by the user community in the, in the base we deal with. This is true. Um, you know, it, it will also be interesting to see, you know, the, how how the threat landscape uh, adapts to 2021 and 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 where where attackers go i mean they were they were uh, you know pretty quick to jump on the bandwagon and recognize that this was a, a an opportunity uh, yeah. <laughs> to you know for for attackers this whole thing was an opportunity it, it was it was chaos it was confusion all of a sudden everyone's working from home everyone was waiting for answers about you know what's you know what is our covid policy how long is the lockdown going to last and so it was real easy to you know, uh, craft a phishing, uh, a, a credible phishing attack out of what was going on. And, you know, and we saw spikes in phishing, we saw spikes in ransomware. Um, you know, but I think, you know, to your point, as we move forward, and this becomes, you know, a a, a normal, I mean, you know, this is, you know, like you said, mo mo a lot of companies are embracing this, because they've recognized that, you know, productivity is either unaffected or has actually gone up. Um, and you have a lot of cost savings, uh, like you just Described on the on the uh, you know real estate end and the electricity end and you know all, all of the all of those things, um, as this goes from being a you know kind of a knee jerk reaction to an emergency situation to just being the way we do business, 
we'll reach some sort of an equilibrium, and it'll be interesting to see how attackers adapt. Yeah, I look, I, I definitely think that this wasn't an indication that there's any um, higher morality in the <laughs> in the malicious community, right? I mean, we, we saw ransomware on a, um, some medical devices in Germany that that resulted in the loss of human life, right? And I think you know that that people are willing to take advantage of this shouldn't necessarily be an eye opener for somebody, but maybe a, a realization that you know you know we we have to be more proactive about how we address this. I think ransomware, you know, you asked about predictions. I think ransomware is going to continue to increase. I think we're going to see much more sophistication by it, and I think people are going to you know the, the nation whether it's nation states or organized crime, they're looking at the monetization of this and they're saying that you know look if I if I compromise a system where they really don't have any other choice but to pay me, then that's a ripe target. And so I think we need to look for better ways to be much more proactive about how we address this. Um, it, it's just going to continue. It's not going to get any smaller. And so I, I would definitely agree with you that we've got to figure out in this new normal where, where, the, you know, where the new normal vectors are that we have to worry about that are having more, more increased likelihood. Yeah. And, and, you know, I had a, a conversation recently uh, with uh, another company where we talked about the fact that for some nation states, at least, you know, like you, you mentioned, you know, you have your, you have your cyber crime organizations and you've got uh, nation states. But in, in, in some nations, the line between those is very thin. Yeah, I think there'll always be nation states activity that's um, nation state against nation state malicious, right? And they're actually either trying to gain, you know, IP, they're trying to gain data, they're trying to uh, get an edge up in a, in a cyber war capacity. But I think where where some of these nation states are, I mean, like I said, it's monetization, right? It, it really is nation state cyber criminals, right? Like trying to not, trying to figure out how to gain a monetary advantage out of this. And that that is that is the new threshold that I think we've crossed. Well, it should definitely, it should definitely be interesting. Like you, know, like you said, we're we're you know we 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 had this election. Uh, we you know, we're we're only we're only you know say ninety five percent sure we know what the outcome is. <laughs> um, uh, you know, knock on wood. Um, but uh, you know, between that and you know the emergence of you know various uh, vaccines getting approved, um, you know things things will change relatively quickly as we you know it. In, in a good way, hopefully, uh, as we enter into 2021. Um, and it'll be interesting to see, you know, towards the middle of the year, you know, how things have kind of leveled off or, you know, yeah. where, where, where's, where, where, where do we, where do we land, you know, kind of once this is sort of under control. Yeah. I, I, I hope we go back with, uh, I, I guess a, a little bit open, uh, open, open eyes to, to where, we could look for improvements in, in kind of things that we've seen that have worked out better out of this. I mean, I, I, I hate, I would hate to see some organizations just try to snap back into the way things were and not utilize this as an opportunity to look for, you know, the, the, the positive outcomes that we've changed. I mean, I know that there are, there are some organizations that were just totally against remote work. And I think, you know, there are, there are a, gr a large amount of that it works well for, right. Um, some people like being in office, some people like working from home. And I think, trying to figure out how to better utilize the workforces we have, um, you know, is, is a positive outcome. I, I will say that the one thing I, I've seen as a challenge in, in the CISO role is, you know, 
having a sensitivity to the fact that while things may be more productive, like working all the time is not a, a, a sustainable goal for your people. Right. right. Um, I think, you know, that that's one thing where I've seen a lot, a lot of increase towards the burnout side. And, and I, I'm, I'm hoping that we have some sensitivity to that. And f- I, I think it's part of that. People aren't used to it. It's, it's outside their comfort zone. And so, you know, they're trying to be flexible, but we've got to figure out what the new normal about work from home is, right? For people who have worked from home a long time, you understand that you got to walk away from the computer at some point or, or you just get burned out. Right. For people who haven't done that, that's a, that's a change. And I think from a cyber capacity, like, you know, most of the people in this organization do it because they're passionate about it and they, they want to reduce the likelihood of impact. And so I, I think they're less likely just to, you know, get up and leave. And, uh, and I think we have to be sensitive to that as leadership and managers is make sure that we're, we're treating the, again, the people side, the psychology of it, just as much as we are the technology side. Right. You know, one, one of the, uh, you know, one of the issues that I always had actually, you know, before COVID existed, I always had this, uh, a fundamental issue with um, the idea that, you know, someone would, would, would wake up, Maybe be running a low grade fever and have have some some sniffles, and and just kind of you know take some Tylenol and muscle through and, and go to work. I'm like, well, why? Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to yeah. be around you. Why? Why are you here? Um, yeah. But that was but that was kind of the culture, you know. And, and, and I think the culture in in a lot of cases rewarded, um, you know, having the 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 sort of the perseverance and the fortitude to to show up and do the job no matter what. And it's like. No, I think I think out of this we need to, you know, grasp the idea that it's okay for you to work from home. Like even even if you go back to a certain scenario where, you know, your company is is back in the office, they 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 want you to be there, and it's like okay, great, I will you know I will be there um, as much as I can. But I think we also have to go into it with that with that understanding um, between everyone to say, but hey, if you're feeling off by all means, stay home. And, and, and that doesn't mean you need to take PTO. You can stay home and work. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, look, I think the trend to, uh, hopefully the trend to open office is dead. <laughs> I, I don't know anybody who's going to go, want to go back and sit next, sit, you know, two feet away from somebody while they, while they sneeze or cough or whatever at their desk. Right. Um, but, but ultimately I think, you know, from a, you know, from a cyber perspective, like, there's a lot of opportunity here for us to get involved and figure out like how we enable this, how we how we make it work in a secure way, right? I mean, the prevalence of of Zoom, the prevalence of you know uh, remote work from where from wherever you functionally can work. I mean, that, there's a lot of potential in there um, for for people in information security. I think there's going to be a lot of growth in the field. Um, I don't think there's any slowdown. I've talked to numerous other vendors and I've talked to a bunch of customers, uh, you know, as consumers of technology, th- there's not really, you know, there's not a appreciable slowdown from a cyber spend uh, function. I mean, it, it seems to be continuing if, in any, if anything flatline, but I, I'd say most likely increasing slightly, even, even in 20. So I, I look for 21 is there's definitely, there's definitely going to be, I think, growth as people figure out how to accelerate out of this and this new normal. All right. Well, very good. Um, I think we'll, we'll kind of wrap it up there. I appreciate you. Uh, appreciate you taking the time. Um, and like I said, I think this was it was a more interesting conversation uh, to me to talk about. Uh, you know, the year ahead uh, this year than in previous years, just because you know it. It you know so much is fundamentally different than it was a year ago, uh, and uh, it's, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out.
Yeah, thanks, Tony. It was really good getting on the phone and uh, talking with you. I, I appreciate you taking the time today. All right. Thank you. I appreciate you investing your time to listen to the podcast, but I also invite you to engage on social media. Uh, please go like our Facebook page and follow at Techspective on Twitter and Instagram. You can feel free to let me know what you like, let me know what you don't like, let me know if you love it, let me know if it sucks, and uh, let me know what products you'd like to see reviewed or what uh, questions that you'd like to see answered in future posts.